If you're a leader whose success depends on your ability to think clearly, then join the 8-Second Daily Coach, where I'll email you daily questions to amplify your leadership in 8 seconds or less. Sign up now at ZachAaron.com forward slash daily question. That's ZachAaron, Z-A-C-H-A-R-E-N-D.com forward slash daily question. I think there's a lot of people who, especially in the retail world, it's like the cart before the horse. It's easy to be like, we need this beautiful store and we need all this inventory. And I think my sister has always been a reminder of this. Like, you don't need that stuff. You need to sell a product and build a business before you need the flashy stuff. And so for me, it felt like we were at the right place. All right, I want to take a moment before we get into today's episode to make an announcement. I want to let you know that I'm taking applications right now for the Create Purpose Mastermind, an intimate mastermind group for aspiring seven-figure creative female business owners who are looking to build their dream team. So if that's you, go to createpurpose.net forward slash mastermind. Here's what it's going to look like if you decide to spend a year with me and this intimate mastermind. You know, when I was putting this together, I really was thinking about what are the outcomes that I want you to get as a result of spending a year in this group. Number one is I want you to discover your unique greatness. Because when you surround yourself with people who see you for who you are and are able to draw you back to your own greatness, so much can change. Number two, I want to help you master your inner game. Because everything in business starts with self-awareness of why things are the way they are Because as soon as you become aware of that, you get to decide and make a choice to change it for the better. Number three, I want to see you lead with confidence. You know, because I fundamentally believe you already have everything you need. You don't need another guru to show you the way. And I want to see you build your dream team. And that's what we're ultimately going to be doing in this group is building a business around a team of people that no longer centers around you, the leader, but you now have a team where you now are able to free yourself up to be the true CEO and create a visionary of your business, ultimately to grow your business, make your business easier to manage, more profitable, and a lot more fun. So if you're an inspiring seven-figure creative female business owner who's wanting to build your dream team and grow your business, then please don't wait. There's only 12 seats available, so don't hesitate in getting your application in. What if this were to be your breakthrough year? And what if this mastermind is exactly what you need to really grow your business and bring your unique potential to life? To learn more, go to createpurpose.net forward slash mastermind. Let's get back into the show. Hello, and welcome to the Create Purpose Podcast, where we have real conversations about the journey to creating more of what you want in your life and your business. I'm your host, Zach Arend, and at 16 years old, I was riding saddle broncs in the rodeo. And I learned the value of trusting the process and putting in the work, eventually becoming two-time state champion. And today, I help other creative entrepreneurs and leaders on their wild rides of turning their passion into a purpose-driven business. This podcast is all about inspiring you to bring your potential to life and create your purpose. And just before we go any further, I want to say thank you if you've been listening up to this point. And if you haven't already, please take a moment to subscribe, follow, leave us a review, 
because that's just going to help us get the word out and reach a broader audience. So please do that if you haven't already. Today's guest is Ann Williams. She's the CEO and founder of Yearly Co. based out of Nashville, Tennessee. Her and her team, they make fine jewelry, 14 karat gold anniversary and milestone bangles. She has a phenomenal, very inspiring story. Uh, Started out just following a creative itch, wanted to keep the family tradition going and created a jewelry studio in her garage. She enrolls in the University of Vanderbilt out in Nashville to take a metalworking class to learn to make jewelry. And she starts making jewelry for friends and family. And before she knows it, the business is taking off. To the point now today, she serves over a 1,000 customers worldwide. She has a team of 10 to 13 people and is growing. Very successful online business, retail front. And I'm so excited because today we dig into her journey, and more specifically, her journey to building a great team. And she gets into the importance of the team, the importance the leader has to create an environment that really helps people thrive and the impact that we have as leaders to our people. And she really gets into some of the brass tacks. We get down, we roll up our sleeves and really talk about how to hire a great team, the steps to take in building that team. So I think you're gonna really enjoy this conversation. So let's not wait any longer. Let's jump into it and get started. All right, well, I'm here with Ann Williams of Yearly Co. And what was it, six years ago, Ann decided to follow Creative Itch and a family tradition and enrolled in Vanderbilt University to take some metalworking classes so that she could Learn to make the 14 karat gold bangles that have been in her family for years. And today now, Anne's the CEO and founder of Yearly Co., a fine jewelry company that specializes in making these 14 karat gold bangles, anniversary and milestone bangles, headquartered in Nashville, Tennessee. She has a team of 10, maybe more than 10 people now, and serving thousands of customers all over the world. So I'm excited to get into your story a little bit, Anne, because before we started this podcast, I was on your Instagram feed and you have a beautiful feed and, and it's very personal. That's why I like your feed. And there's a picture of you and your little baby girl. You said five years ago, trying to learn how to make jewelry. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about why you got started with this. You had two babies and you wanted to learn how to make jewelry. What was behind all that? Yeah. So I think I've definitely always had a bit of a I can do it myself, creative entrepreneurial itch. I had tried a few other things before. I used to tutor when I was in college and we actually used to Airbnb our house. So I always kind of had that potential for something. And really the reason I started learning how to make jewelry was because my family has this tradition and it had grown. And my uncles and my brothers and my cousins were all getting their bangles from different jewelers. And somehow I became the family resource. So I was finding people on Etsy or looking into the quality of the pieces. And somehow my uncles would be texting me weeks before their anniversary, like, hey, who got your bangle last time? And can you figure it out for us? So after trying to source them and realizing it just wasn't reliable, I just thought I'm a stay-at-home mom. I was pregnant at the time with our second and decided to take a metalworking class and just see how hard could it be was the thought that went through my head. And so I started making just one by one. I had this amazing teacher making bangles in her garage first, and then I set up my own little studio. And so that photo of Reagan, our second daughter, she was in the little baby Bjorn. I would take her out to this woman's house because I didn't have childcare for her. And 
would sit there with my torch making bangles and and the teacher, Nancy, would grab Reagan and kind of walk around with her. Looking back now, it was such a cool start to that story. At the time, I didn't realize the scope of where I was going with this business, but I made it work because I kind of had to. That's why that picture means a lot. And I think people are always struck by it. Like this woman holding a torch and a small child. It's fun to look back at that and remember that feeling of just being proud of making something and having a little outlet. And tell me more about the family tradition. How long was it around? And share the story around that because it's really inspiring. Yeah. So my dad's parents moved around a good amount. My grandfather was an engineer and they moved every like two to four years. So at one point they lived in Puerto Rico and that's where they picked up this tradition of anniversary bangles. So we honestly don't know a ton of the detail because my grandmother passed away when my dad was 22. It's definitely like a Cuban tradition to wear gold bangles and to receive them on special occasion. So it kind of came into Puerto Rico. And then my grandfather gave one to my grandmother every year. So she's really to credit for, I have a feeling it was her idea, not so much his, but she's really to credit for that tradition. And then her five children inherited her bangles and then their children and their marriages, they all continued this tradition. So it's, it's been very normal for us for generations. And honestly, it never struck me as strange or different or special growing up until we started getting to marriage age and then gifting them to friends. And I remember my friends in college, like kind of saying like, are we allowed to do this even though we're not part of your family? And we were like, of course, we love extending that tradition and inviting people into it, which is part of why the business makes sense and has taken office because we really enjoy sharing that with other people. I think it started with like an anniversary milestone. Well, my wife, for one, you've started tradition here. She's an entrepreneur herself. And I already know there's some bangles in her future because there's some milestones coming up. And it's been a really cool way for her to just remember those moments because I think we forget. Let's talk about some of the milestones in your business because it started with it really wasn't a business. It was just trying to help family out and follow a creative desire of yours but then it it evolves. Right. And so what are some of the milestones for you in the business? Yeah. I mean, I think at least a couple of times a year, I reflect on the growth and it's usually the physical changes of the business have really always struck me because you can kind of get in that point where you put your head down and you're just shipping and packing and not paying as much attention to what's happening, but our physical transformation, just of our team and our space, we started with this four by six foot cinder block room. I had a space heater at my feet. And to be honest, like I didn't see anything wrong with that. (laughs) I was like, this is my little space. I would go out in the garage, listen to a podcast. That was when my girls were in the throes of two under two. And so that felt like an escape. And I got to make it my own little place to be creative. And I added a team member, Michaela, who's been with me for six years, which is amazing, or five years, I guess, but since the beginning, she came on as an intern. She was working at my dining room table. I mean, we really made it work in that house. And then the growth of the business propelled us to move to a new home to finish out a studio space. And at the same time, we had like a little bit of a space above a boutique locally, just so that we could ship out of there and have customers come pick things up. And so we just kind of kept shifting and slowly adding a person and making a little more space for them. I truly believed, and this was in 2019, that the 700 square feet above our garage was it. Like, this is yearly co, we're never going to, you know, outgrow this. Very quickly, within months, we had four employees and it just felt like a lot to have in our home. So we found this building. Michaela actually did, drove by this building and sent me a picture, this white standalone building and kind of our Green Hills, like our shopping area. And she's like, this is for lease. I know you've been talking about wanting to 
move out of the house a little bit, get a bigger studio. So I specifically remember walking in. My sister was actually in town, which is funny. She's not here often. And she's a huge inspiration to me in terms of entrepreneurship. And we walked in and my gut reaction was like, well, this is fantastic, but we don't need it. It's three times as much space as we could fill. There's no way. I said, but we could sublease a floor and maybe we'll put somebody here and somebody here. And she walked around and she's a visionary. And she was like, your jewelers go here. Somebody goes here. You make an office here. She just laid out the whole thing for me. She really showed me the way. And I was like, I guess maybe that does make sense. So we made it work. And then that year of growth, although we opened in February of 2020, which is sort of comical in terms of a retail opening, last year's growth during COVID, when we were able to ship customers, their jewelry all over the country was so big. And we filled that space and we did it quickly. And now we have a team of 12, maybe 13, honestly, I need to check on that. And so filling that space. And sometimes I'll just walk in, we have team lunches on Thursdays and I see this table of women. We're an all female team right now. And it's just like, blows me away. Like you're all here for the same reason. And it's really cool and really exciting. And I probably don't tell them enough, but like just to see everyone so empowered to do their jobs and do them well. And we're constantly reminding everyone like this is for our customers and we read customer reviews. And it's so cool to know that I have this team invested in the same dream that I have. And so now it's definitely a physical thing to see. It's not just the orders online and it's not just the FedEx packs building up. It's like, wow, we have a space and a team and a mission. And it just feels bigger than I ever imagined. Yeah, that's so cool. There's so much I want to get into around that. And I want to go back. You're in in your own house, your own studio. You're outgrowing it. Michaela finds this space that's vacant. It's much, much larger. It has two floors, I think, right? Yes. Yeah. What was that moment like? You're about ready to sign a lease. I mean, those leases aren't short usually. It's a commitment. Put yourself back there. What was going through your mind? I think there's always a fear factor, a what if there's a negative just in the back of your head, that kind of grounding moment to be like, well, we don't need this, do we? Or this is a lot. This is a leap of faith. And I think for me, the business had grown so organically that signing a lease and starting to like owe people money and really put myself out there. It's like, all right, this can't just be like, oh, look, oops, we grew. This is exciting. Like we really have to kind of focus and really look at our numbers and make sure that we're doing the right thing and make sure we're going about this in a way that's going to be smart. And I think there's a lot of people who, especially in the retail world, it's like the cart before the horse. It's easy to be like, we need this beautiful store and we need all this inventory. And I think my sister has always been a reminder of this. Like you don't need that stuff. You need to sell a product and build a business before you need the flashy stuff. And so For me, it felt like we were at the right place. It took a little while. I would have never imagined needing or wanting that space. I actually said so many times, I will never have a retail space. Like that is such a waste of money. And then I realized we have a high touch point product. We have customers who want to stop by and chat and see our pieces. We have a studio. We need our jewelers to be here, our shipping to be here, all of our things in the same space so that we can really feel like a team. And so although it was kind of scary. I saw the growth. I saw what we needed to do and it felt like the right time and it was, and it is, and we filled that space up quickly and it was the right move at the right time. Yeah. And I know you well enough that you didn't set out. Well, one, you said it yourself, like you didn't set out to build a big business. There was never this intention Mm -hmm. just to grow, to grow. And you've told me that number of times. So what has been the driving force 
why put those demanding situations on you by leasing a building and hiring more employees? What is the driving force for you that has kept you going? It's our customers, which is the part that makes it so much fun. Naturally, I don't find myself to be a salesperson. I've said this before. It's funny. I'll be with friends or family members and they're like, oh, check out her bangles. She makes these. You know, I'm not someone who likes to push my product on people or I tend to be a little more introverted, a little more subdued. So a salesy personality is not suited towards me, but we get emails and we have customers who say, thank you so much for like creating something that I care about, that I love, that helps me to celebrate myself or my family members. Their joy and their excitement over this tradition is what keeps us growing. And the product is unique in the world of jewelry because you come back every year, hopefully. And so that part of our growth is just very inherent. We have customers who show up one year and they come back the next year and we don't really have to convince them to do that. There's obviously a piece of marketing and getting our product out there. And we want more and more women to enjoy our jewelry and to be able to celebrate themselves and tell their stories. But it just feels very organic and very fun to keep coming up with new designs and maybe add pieces for different holidays. And once someone, I feel like they trust the brand, they trust the product, then they'll ask us questions. I'm still in our DMs regularly and like, oh man, I've really been looking for a classic pair of earrings that I can wear every day. And I take that feedback and think about it carefully and try to source something. And that's the part that keeps the business going. Like we're really providing jewelry for women that they can wear their entire lives. And that I, I like to picture everything we make and sell to be handed down. Like I like to picture a little girl inheriting that from her grandmother being like, Oh my gosh, I get to wear those earrings or that bangle that you wore your whole life. That's the part that keeps me going and keeps us really inspired and motivated. Yeah. It's understandable. The focus on serving others and making an impact for them, you get something in return. And so does every member of your team, because it just feels good knowing you're impacting people in that way. And and that makes sense that that's a driving force for you. And what I know about your team, it's a driving force for everyone. You've built a culture that everybody really rallies around that. It's really cool. It's really inspiring. I was having a conversation this morning with another creative business owner, and it was around building teams. She was already kind of like, I've hired, I've built my team, but kind of already feel like It's not enough. We've already got so much in the pipe coming that it's almost like I need to keep hiring, but it just feels like I keep putting myself further and further out there and it it feels vulnerable. And what advice or what's your experience been with the whole hiring? What's your philosophy? What's really worked or not worked? What have you learned when it comes to building a team? It's funny. My sister and I have talked about this a lot. And I think at the very beginning, It feels like hiring is going to take a load off your plate. You're like, oh, great. I'll hire somebody. And there's a lot of teaching and mentoring. And especially, I think, when you're a visionary of your company or you've, you've been so set in running your business, it becomes hard to communicate exactly what you want because you're so used to doing it all yourself. So as much as I have hired help from the beginning, I think it does take some conscious effort to really think, like, what am I handing off and why? And what am I good at? What do I want to keep? And I have said before, though, that like once you think you need help, you should have started interviewing because for our team, especially, I've become more and more motivated by what my team needs. So when I see one of my team members just drowning in work, it's like, okay, what do you need for your team? I want to relieve you to have you grow in the direction of your skills and your talents, and we're going to have to hand off some things. And so my team has been helpful in being like, this is what I need and this is when I need it. 
And then we work together to find the right person for that role. Hiring is scary. Firing is scary. And it's not a great feeling. I've had to do it a couple of times. But I just am constantly reminded, like, we're better when we have a great team. We're better when we add someone who adds value to our team. And people want to work with people they enjoy who are also working hard. So it's also kind of getting people out of there. If it's not a good fit and you can tell quickly, I think I've learned this through my business and also friends who are business owners. If it's not a good fit, <laughs> you say this in coaching as well. When we talk about our core values, it's not going to be good for the business long-term. And I think it's that shift too, that Zach and your coaching has always been so helpful. It's like, what does yearly code need? Not what do I need for my day-to-day life, but what does the business need to thrive and succeed? And I have to remove myself a little bit sometimes. And so, yeah, I mean, hiring is a complicated piece of the puzzle, but it also is so rewarding when you find the right people and they're doing a great job and they like to come to work and they truly are taking things off your plate. Yeah, it means a lot that that resonates with you, that idea of what does the business need? What's going to most serve the greater business, the greater good of the vision and the business? Because there's so many other things. Obstacles are those terrifying things you see when you take your eye off the target. And that target, if it's all about the overall health of the business, that business is the rising tide that lifts all boats. And everybody wins when the business is healthy. But there is a shift. There's a mental shift that I think a lot of business owners, entrepreneurs go through. And it's this shift from going from being an entrepreneur, being the business owner, to becoming an organization, to becoming a true business. And there is this kind of shedding of, it's kind of like parenting. It's kind of like developing your kids grow up and you kind of have to start letting them go and letting them go find their own way. And that happens in business, very similar. And I'm glad you brought that up because it's been a really good mental shift for so many when you just start to think what's in the best interest of the greater good of this business and where we want to take this business together. It's now more about, it's less about me and it's more about we. And it creates that ownership and creates that energy and that culture that you ultimately want. So I love it. I want to go back to something that I've observed in working with you, knowing you over the last year. You may or may not agree with this, but I'm going to say it anyway. You have a real knack for finding great people. (laughs) You have a great team and you just have this way of finding great people. I've seen you add some really key members to your team this year. How do you do that? Like, What advice do you have? It's one thing to be like, I need to find somebody to really own this or take this over or take this off my plate. It's a whole nother thing to go find that person. It's normal to maybe say, I can't find those types of people. I don't know any people like that. Or who would want to come do that? What advice do you have on finding great people? What's worked for you? I think we have been really lucky. I mean, I am so grateful for I knew you would say that. Yeah. I knew you'd say that. I think all in all, we really have sort of a community. A lot of our team members know each other through previous jobs. Nordstrom has been a great feeder to us through previous jobs, through other experiences, through other business owners. That's one thing I'd recommend. So when we were looking for kind of one of our first, it's a position that sort of has evolved from customer service into marketing, but just like can do anything kind of person. I reached out to another business owner in town and just said, Hey, I'm just wondering, because I know you guys hire a lot. Have you had any resumes come across your desk that you thought were great and you just couldn't hire? It wasn't the right fit or just wasn't the right time. I mean, it it also takes having relationships with other business owners, but this woman in particular, who I really look up to, I've had a relationship with her for years. And so she sent me two resumes. She's like, yeah, these two, these two were great. We just really didn't have a spot for them. And one of those two ended up being a great hire for us. And so I think having that, asking people for help, we've tried the route of 
putting things on Indeed or these big sites. And it's worked once or twice, but it's a lot of administrative work to dig through resumes. People just throw them up with zero regard for what the job actually is. But I think asking around in your network, figuring that out, and also not being so sort of short-sighted that you think one job has one person or that they have to have experience in that exact role. For me, there's something intangible about a great team member that has almost nothing to do with what they've done in the past. I think we can tell in an interview, we always have people come in for a trial day. And I ask my team members, like they're going to give someone some menial tasks in every role. And if they're like, have a bad attitude about it, or they ask a hundred questions or they don't ask enough questions, it's just sort of a red flag on the front end. We can usually tell pretty quickly. And we also want people to be bought into the core values and to understand like what it means to work at Yearly Co. And that I care a lot about everyone and I want to take care of them. That We have some fun perks. We get to enjoy. I'm not someone who wants everyone to come to work for 12 hour days and work like crazy and not enjoy life. We have social events and we have those, those parts that really kind of humanize and make the workplace feel more normal. So I think that appeals to people. And I think when they meet our team and realize like our most recent employee actually said, she's like, everyone's very kind and helpful and like wants everyone to succeed. And that's what I hope to promote. And the second someone is not on that boat or it doesn't feel like they're helping out or just getting down into the nitty gritty like everyone else is, then it it probably isn't a good fit. Yeah. There's so much you just shared. I find myself in these conversations a lot. Like, how do I find these people? How do I find good people? Sometimes as entrepreneurs and business owners, we can make things way more complicated than they have to be. Right. And a great question to ask is just like, if this were easy, what would you do to right. find that next great person? And you said it, if it were easy, I would just call some close friends and see who they know. I find that, yeah, 90% of the time, that's always where you find your best people. And I had a friend and, and mentor. He always told me great people know great people. And so yeah. go ask great people or great companies attract great people like Nordstrom. It is simple. What we do, though, is we overcomplicate. It's like, oh, I've got to create a job description. It's got to be perfect. What word should I put in there? How do I get them to want to be here? And then I got to put it on Monster and Indeed and LinkedIn. And it's overwhelming. And it could be as simple as just talking and having some coffees and meeting people. And another business owner here in Kansas City, he told me, he's like, I'm always interviewing. I'm always meeting people because I know we're going to grow. And I'm not really sure who I'm going to need and when I'm going to need them, but I'm going to know people and know who to call. And yeah it's just a mindset. It's just, you're constantly meeting and building your team, whether you're hiring them or not. I think that's so smart. I mean, we've sort of had a similar situation in that I've had people reach out and send resumes and I never say we're not hiring. I just say, well, currently we don't have any open positions, but we're growing all the time. And like, tell me more. And I'll set up phone calls. And I have a couple of resumes that just sit, you know, on my wall in a little binder. And I know that down the line, that might be the right person. And who knows what they're going to be doing in six months. So I do think it's really valuable. Another thing that I loved that you've really coached me on that's helped is I think we get, like you said, really stuck in what's this person going to be doing all day. I need to make a list of a hundred tasks and something that you've said in the past, you don't have to focus on what they're doing every day. Focus on like, what does the best outcome look like? What is it going to look like if they're doing a good job? And I have found that has helped really align with the right people. Because when you tell someone instead of all day long, I want you to pack this and ship this, the outcome that we're looking for is that our customers get what they need (laughs) is that no packages are mixed up. Everything's clean and organized and 
you feel great at the end of the day, like you accomplished all these tasks. And when you shift that a little bit to the end result mindset, the right person should be able to get there. And then it takes the pressure off of me to tell them to be a taskmaster all day long. I mean, there's some things that have to be taught, but in general, I have found that the right employees just kind of figure it out. And I don't want to baby them through the process. Yeah. And it's not always easy to do that because you really have to let go. It goes back to something you said a little bit earlier in our conversation, just when you're the one that's doing all the things, all the aspects of the business, you almost forget. And then you start hiring a person. You're like, wait a minute, you don't know how to do that. And then you overemphasize the doing. You're like, oh, this is what I need to do. This is how exactly I want you to do it. And it gets really complex and it's really hard for the team members to even really follow. But when you give them the objective, like this is where we're going, this is the outcome. I believe people are creative. They're very talented. They're very powerful. They will figure it out as long as you give them a clear vision of what success looks like. I agree. And I think one of the things I've always tried to do, and I hope I do as a boss is leave room for improvement. Yes, we've been shipping and packing these boxes like this, but I might have someone who's brand new who's like, hey, these stickers are you know, taking me 10 seconds per package. And I don't think they add a whole lot. And I'm like, great, let's get rid of the stickers. We just did that because we thought we needed it. And I'm always open to different ways of doing things, feedback. What else do our customers need? Like I've noticed this question keeps coming up a lot because I am no longer in all of these positions. So I don't know best anymore. And I think you really have to kind of humble yourself and be like, people have great ideas and you don't have to take all of them. You can listen to all of them, but there's ways that our employees have vastly improved our customer experience and our processes and our production. And so I think that's an incredible value. So what you were saying, Anne, is this idea of giving people ownership in the business, like letting them own things, like own yeah. a position, own a role, and then kind of get out of their way and let them do it and figure it out. That's not easy to do. So We've worked together for a year now. What's been the biggest change for you in your business, in your role in the business this year? I think about it when I go into work now, because I think I used to go into my office and it was like, okay, what do you need from a marketing standpoint and customer service? Has anyone been complaining and what's happening over here? And, oh, did we order the wrong boxes? I was touching everything in a very ineffective way and then coming home like exhausted. I didn't really solve any problems and... I micromanaged people, but then also sometimes I would follow up on stuff and be like, yeah, I got it that last week. I just felt inefficient and it felt like I'd hired a lot of people to do a lot of things, but I still wasn't trusting that they were getting done. I don't think I was giving full autonomy to my team. I don't think I was even necessarily giving them the tools or communicating that long-term vision because I didn't have time for the long-term vision. It was like putting out fires and making sure we had enough gold. And as we have hired and really implemented EOS using your coaching, I've been able to step back. <laughs> and I think I used to find that concept like, well, if I'm not here every day doing all the stuff and showing up, then am I really doing my job or what's my team going to think? And it's been so refreshing to realign and really see like where I'm adding value. What I need to be doing is thinking longer term so that I can set everyone up for success. Really having our weekly meetings, which make a huge difference talking about our priorities, making to-do lists, and just being less reactive to the day-to-day. -day. That has made a world of difference. And it's it's taken some time. I mean, you can't do that at certain times. We really had to hire and had to, I had to kind of get in there and see what was going on. But now I feel like I can come into work and just 
my team knows they're like, okay, we need you for this. I have a question about this. And then they're looking at me like, all right, wait, why are you looking at me? We're good. We're running. And then I can be creative. The other day I went in and just kind of rearranged our break room and looked through some of our inventory. And I can take the time to really think about what needs to be done without feeling the pressure of the day-to-day because we have great team members and they'll bring me the issues once a week in an appropriate time or place where we can digest them. And we can also decide, I think, because it's not these little daily issues, instead of thinking, I need to fix this issue right now. Like, is it an issue or is it just like one, one off thing, one pair of earrings or one customer complaint? Because if you don't guard yourself a little bit against the everyday issues, then you never get to the big ones. You can't tackle anything larger. So that's been a really good lesson for me to just step back a little bit. Yeah. So I'm lucky enough. I do get to work with a lot of business owners playing the game of building a business. Right. And I see common things and what you just said there. And I'm wondering if this is true for you, or maybe you didn't experience this, but there's almost this desire, like you're a creative, you're a maker, and you thrive on being inspired. The whole business benefits by you being inspired, by you doing the things that only you can do that really move the needle in the business. And those are usually not doing work, but more creative things, getting away from the office, going and exploring, or just talking to people and meeting people. And there's kind of this feeling of guilt for, for some business owners to step away from the business and go do those fun things, the things they actually enjoy and they're passionate mm-hmm. about that really light them up. They feel guilty when they're doing them because they're not back working, helping their team. What's your experience been? Is that an accurate portrayal of what some of that yeah. can feel like? <laughs> yeah, I think it's very true, especially when there is at the beginning, especially when there's a lot of physical work to be done. You're like, well, I couldn't possibly just like leave and go daydream because I have to be here helping. But what I've realized, and I mean, we're fortunate and then our growth has lined up with this, but mm-hmm. as we've hired and anytime we've hired and I thought like, Oh, I don't know, we're paying this person. Like it frees me up. And then I'm designing more. And then I'm maybe negotiating a contract or doing something that does save us money or makes sense in our growth. I still can have those moments where I'll meet with other local small business owners or stop by someone's shop. Like that's, I think an example. I love retail. I'm fascinated by merchandising and products and customer experience. So Sometimes it really is shopping, like showing up at a friend's shop and chatting with them and hearing what's going on. And it can feel like, oh, I'm not doing anything. But from that conversation might be, oh, we were thinking about doing a pop-up. Would you guys want to join us? Or I see a product or something that inspires a style, or I realize there's a collaboration opportunity. And without that free time to do those things, we wouldn't grow in that way. So I remind myself like, those collaborations and those creative ideas and those new product designs, they don't come from me packing boxes. They don't come from me sitting at a computer, making sure my inbox is at zero. They come from a place of being able to really, and sometimes it's doing laundry at home or, you know, in a bar class or something, just having that space and time to not have a task list and to like, let ideas come. I find that one of the best places I get inspiration is putting myself fully in my customer's shoes. And even this time of year, thinking about Black Friday and sales and deals, like as a customer, I read emails and think through things and like, what grabbed my attention about that? What did I respond to? What felt good? What what felt too salesy? And from that, I can develop some marketing plans and bring those to Michaela and we can strategize. But without stepping back and allowing myself that time, 
I'm never going to be very innovative or get ahead of our design schedule or planning. I don't know if I've shared this poem with you. It's called Fire by Judy Brown. And a line in the poem, I love it. And it really speaks to what you're saying. She says, I think it starts with this. She says that a fire burns because of the space between the logs. I think that's so critical. (laughs) It's so critical. But when you start succeeding in business, that's the stuff that the space goes away. And you literally squelch your own internal fire, your own passion, your own ability to create and build and grow the business. And it really limits the business. And there's such a huge opportunity to just letting letting some of that go and dropping it at your feet and go find that passion and that joy and that energy, because that's the fuel that fuels everything. And so I love that you shared that. So I have a few just wrap up questions. I'm all about growth and learning. I know you are too. What's the biggest thing? If there's one thing, the big thing you learned this year, looking back over the last 12 months, what is that one thing that you really learned this year? I think in the hardest way possible, it's the team growing. I had to let two team members go, which is to me very gut-wrenching just to know that you're responsible for the end of someone's job at your company. But I could see very clearly this year, finally, like what makes a great team and how important it is that the people that I really value on my team feel like they're able to get their work done and that everyone's contributing. If I notice someone is a real drain on the rest of the team, it's like, okay, this is like your family. This is hurting my people. So I'm going to have to make the hard decision and have the hard conversation because that's what's right for the team and for the business. And I learned that very clearly. And I think I'm getting better at it. Yeah, that's great. There is responsibility there because it's more normal to just tolerate things in the business. So you go to business and you spend all day tolerating things that drain you, literally drain you and kind of being at the effect of the business. And what you're saying is taking some ownership of that. You're allowing or disallowing everything that happens in the business. And so the question I'll often ask the clients I work with is how might you be contributing to that thing you say you don't want in the business? And maybe that's a people issue or just something that's nagging at you. And, and, That's the beauty of being a business owner is you get to take ownership. It's not always easy. It's simple, but it's not always easy. It's a great opportunity. So another question for you, Anne, is what's a book, podcast, or somebody who's really inspiring you right now and why? Good question. As you know, my husband, Pat, is an entrepreneur. And I think we inspire each other, which is really fun. Like Within our marriage, we've been able to Like he is so invested in my growth and success and I'm so invested in his. And so we really understand each other's businesses now more and we get to sit down and like talk shop. And sometimes I'll be like, are you sure? (laughs) Do you want to stop talking about work? But it's fun to have that person who's a cheerleader and understands and likes to push boundaries and grow. And so, yeah, I think Pat and I both being entrepreneurs is not the easiest thing in the world, but I'm really inspired by his business has a whole different track. He's been pushing really hard for many years. So it's fun to see some things happening for him and just have that support in return. Yeah, that's so cool. And our most date nights talking business. Is that, yeah, <laughs> it can be. I feel like it's between <laughs> talking about our kids who are six and almost eight. So yeah, so much fun. Like these ages, we're just like, did you see that? She's so good at this or it's talking about our kids. It's talking about our businesses and then just like our lives and where we want them to go. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. 
Yeah. On that, you mentioned your daughters. We'll maybe wrap with this question. What's the biggest thing you hope to teach your daughters as a result of you following your creative passion, building your business? What do you want to teach them in all of this? Yeah, I think it's fascinating because I grew up in a home with a stay-at-home mom. So it was amazing. She's probably half the reason I do what I do, but she was always super creative and resourceful and just kind of taught us like, you have an idea, like figure it out, try something out. There was not a whole lot of knows in a good way. You have to participate. You got to be a part of this. But I think for them, of course, they don't comprehend the business yet, but I do try to involve them, to bring them to the shop, to show them what's going on and to have them understand. I read this somewhere, some celebrities said this, but just when I go to work, it's not like, oh, work, work's pulling me away from you. And I just want to be home, but I have to work. Like when I talk about work, it's like, oh my gosh, my business and our customers are so excited. And I can't be the driver on the field trip today because I got a lot of stuff happening at work, but after school, we'll sit on the couch and eat popcorn. I really try not to act like one is better or worse than the other. Obviously I want to spend time with them and But I want them to know that I'm really passionate about what I do and I care a lot about it. I care about our team members and I want them to see that it is a lot of hard work and the boundaries of an entrepreneur are not the normal nine to five, but that it can be a really amazing way to make a living because you get to create your own roles. So I hope they see that. And I think Pat and I remind them of that, that it's hard. It's not easy. You kind of got to make your own way and figure it out on your own, but that there's such a reward when you're doing it your own way. And when you're taking care of the people on your team and caring about your customers the way that we do. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to join me on the podcast and just getting real and sharing your journey with us. And where can people find you and learn more about Yearly Co and you and buy your jewelry? Yeah. So we are at yearly company on Instagram, which is kind of a great place to just see everything we do. And then yearlyco.com. We do have a shop in Nashville. We are opening a new showroom in February, which we're excited about. Yeah. And you can always just check out our website. We have an amazing customer service team. I will say after hiring a lot this year and yeah, we just love to tell people our story and help them celebrate those big wins. Awesome. Thanks, Ian. Sure. Thanks, Zach. So thanks again to Anne for that wonderful conversation. I hope you found something that was really helpful for you because I know I did. There were so many great things she had to share in that conversation. Anne has such a passion for her customers and creating a great work environment for her people and her team. And it's just contagious when you're around her. And I hope you caught some of that like I did. And when I look back on that conversation, How she's approached building her team is really significant. And I hope you didn't miss some of the subtleties of what she shared. And she's built a great team that has allowed her now to to have some freedom from the day-to-day business, which is allowing her to get out front and work on that creative vision of the business and really grow the business and have a lot of fun doing it. So where are you? Are you building a team? And what did you take away from this episode? What's your next step? in continuing to build the team that you need and desire to continue to bring your vision to life in the business. And finally, just to wrap up here, I want to just ask you a small favor. You know, wherever you get your podcast, whether that's Apple Music or Spotify, if you enjoyed this podcast, please take some time and leave us a review, click subscribe, leave us a rating on Apple Podcast. That's just going to help us get the podcast out to a broader audience. And so I'd really appreciate that. Again, thanks for listening. 
Thanks to Anne for sharing her experiences with us. Her passion really came through for her people and her customers. You can find Anne on Instagram at Yearly Company. And also you can go to their website, yearlyco.com. Thanks for the team, Ashley Bolden, for helping me with all the admin, and Chris Skipper, who handles all the music and editing of this podcast. For more information about the Create Purpose podcast, please visit us at www.createpurpose.net. My Instagram handle is at Zach.Aaron. Please, yeah, drop me a message. I'd love to hear from you what you think about this podcast. And I'm your host, Zach Aaron, and I'll see you in the next episode of the Create Purpose podcast. Bye-bye for now. If you're a leader whose success depends on your ability to think clearly, then join the 8-Second Daily Coach, where I'll email you daily questions to amplify your leadership in 8 seconds or less. Sign up now at ZachAaron.com forward slash daily question. That's ZachAaron, Z-A-C-H-A-R-E-N-D.com forward slash daily question.